0: I don't know who's here this morning, and I don't know what your struggle is. But I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer, no matter what that struggle is. Maybe you're struggling with a style of worship. Maybe you're struggling with control. Maybe you're struggling with change. Maybe you're struggling with depression and suicide. Maybe you're picking up the struggle for somebody else. Maybe you've picked up their struggle of like Brent and Stacy did last night. I want to tell you this that the confusion and the struggle is not God. Confusion is a tool of the enemy. And if you're confused, it's because the devil has gotten a foothold in. And what we need to do is route him out in the power in the name of Jesus. He has to go. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Light drives darkness out. And if light is in us, then the enemy has no foothold in our confusion. Will we ask God? Yes, we will. We'll say, why, God? Jesus on the cross, in his darkest, in humanity's darkest hour, questioned his own father. If Jesus can question his father, I think it's okay that we can too. But his faith never waned, and his faith never changed. Heavenly Father, I, I just pray right now for every person that's struggling with trust, that's struggling with control, that's struggling with depression, that's struggling with an issue with maybe a parent or a loved one or a child or As Brent said this morning, a friend of a child. Lord, we lift up every person that's struggling with their identity in you. I lift up, Lord, every person that has believed what social media and their friends have told them about what their identity is. And they've not searched the scripture, the ancient, ancient, timeless truths that are found in scripture that tells them what their identity is. Identity that will stand the test of time. That's what you call us to. Because that's found in love. That's found in change. That's found in difference. And that's not found in tradition. That's not found where we build our pillars and try to be heroes of the faith. It's found where we bend our knees and bow before you under the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Lord, so many times we step in and try to be heroes and try to be the Savior, and we only destroy because we think we're right. Lord, we give that to you. May we humbly bow before you and say, we don't, we don't know jack squat, but you do. And in your love, you bind us and hold us together. And we thank you for that movement here this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Thanks, team. I want to go ahead and dismiss the kids and let the kids go on back. And uh, I want to... one of those is mine. I want to invite Linda Bracken to come up. I don't know where she went. She went, Oh, there you are. It's like she was right here. Then I looked at Norm, and you weren't with Norm. Come on up. Um, is Britt? Can I use Brent's mic? Okay. All right. Um, some time ago, we. Some time ago, we put post-it notes around the walls. How many of you remember that? Just see your hands, okay. How many of you are still praying for those people? How many of you are still praying? Keep praying. Well, Linda, you have a testimony from that. I am so thankful. (laughs) That's my fault.
1: (laughs) I am so thankful. Um, I went home and started another list. And uh, just recently, in fact, this week, you just don't give up. This week, um, we discover, or I discovered that two of the people on my list are, already, are saved. And then two of them are taking steps forward. And it's so exciting to see. And uh, God is so good. And I just Amen. appreciate uh, the river at Grandview so much. And sometimes the devil will try to get you down. See, three months ago, four months ago, maybe I wouldn't have been able to walk up to this podium Mm. after having a stroke. But God is good. And he is. He answers prayer. (laughs) And I just appreciate everything.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Linda. (laughs) There is something in prayer, right? And we know what that something is. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. And there's not a more powerful prayer that you're going to pray than when you pray God's word over the lost people in your life, that God would bring them to him and that he would begin to work, uh, work in their lives. And so when you pray the word of God, when you pray scripture over people, it has far more power than if you just fold your hands and say, Lord, I pray for my neighbor, Bob. Pray that you'd bring him to Jesus. No, you start quoting scripture over Bob. You say what God says about Bob. You you begin to speak the power, the power that created the universe, you begin to speak that out because there's more power in this than anything else, amen? Amen. 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 So I'm so happy, uh, Brenda, for you and for those people, and I know that we've had people reach out to us that are on our Post-it notes and talk to them. So that's pretty exciting. When you be, how many of you have prayed before and seen God move and seen God do something? Amen. There's power in prayer. Uh, one of the things that we have done in our house before in the past is when we sit around the dinner table, we have a prayer journal, and we put the prayer request in that journal. And before we sit down at the dinner table to eat, we actually will go through and check off that prayer request and how God answered it before we eat dinner, because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of you have heard of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth? Anybody? A few of you? Okay. So we lived at the turn of the century, and he would never, never eat a meal without first reading scripture, because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he believed that the Bible was more important than his food that he would eat, and so he would read and read and read, and then he would eat dinner. And so I just encourage you to consume as much of the scriptures as you possibly can. Today we're going to finish our series on the symbols of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So when you came in, there were water bottles at the back. Did everybody get a water bottle? It's kind of like the red Solo cup thing. Lift it up. Some of you got that. All right. So... I want to do a little, this is not mine because it's not been opened, but that's okay because that means there's nobody else's. All right, so give me some water. Drink it, mmm, good. How many of ever been out mowing in the yard and you come in and what's the first thing you go for? Unless there's Kool-Aid in the fridge, then you go for the Kool-Aid, but otherwise it's water, right? Like, You do, everybody does know that Kool-Aid is the nectar of the gods, right? We all know that. Just want to clarify that. But when you drink water, when you drink water, you feel it go down. When you look at this bottle of water, you look at the water, what else, what else do you see? Give me some feedback. It's not rhetorical. Uh, What else do you see when you look at this? Hmm? It's clear. I'm not, just talk to me. Bubbles, (laughs) Bubbles, <laughs> see bubbles. It's it's clear. What else? It's refreshing. Reflection. What, wait, wait, wait. What? What? Half there. It's half there. Your glass is half full. I like it. All right. Yeah. What? It's nurturing. Yes. Yes. It's water. Thank you. It's life-giving. Did you see my notes? Awesome. It's wet. Nash, what you got? You need it to survive. It's life-giving, yes. All right. There's space. There is space. Okay. I don't know what to do with that one, but... Oh, okay. Gotcha. It can mold to any shape it's in. Yeah. I've noticed the fish of it, thanks. I've noticed the more that I, I've also been doing a little psychology experience. Every time I put this up, more of you start putting it up to your mouth. I'm watching this. This is hilarious. Well, yes, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And really all of the things that you have said, it's life-giving. It takes on different shapes. There's always, more sp- There's always more space for the Holy Spirit in my life, right? There's always more of whatever you said. It fits the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I've got three things sp- specifically that I want to talk about as water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 7, and we're going to look at John 7, 30, 37 through 39 This is the Feast of Tabernacles, and it lasts, it goes from Sabbath to Sabbath, or if you're Hebrew, you Shabbat, Shabbat, and it says, that almost sounds like a song, Brent, we should write a song, Shabbat, Shabbat, my baby, ooh, all right, so in verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here we are in in the Feast of Tabernacles, and it goes from Sabbath to Sabbath, and on the last day, here's what would happen. Now, I want, you to, I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to use your imagination and, and just picture this. Because this is what's happening when Jesus stands up and makes his comment about water. On the very last day, they would sing and be festive. And they're celebrating. And the, the Feast of Tabernacles is to, for each generation to remember God brought them out of Egypt Right? And so they're, they're excited. They're remembering this. They're remembering how God moved and freed them. And then on the last day, the, they would sing in the temple courtyards and they would be singing and just singing and, singing and singing and more singing and more singing and more singing. And then finally, a priest would stand up and he would grab a pitcher and he would walk out. The, the high priest would walk out of the temple and he would go to the pool of Shalom. And he would take his picture, and he would dip it into the spring or the pool of Shalom. He would dip it, and this is with the parade of singing and celebrating. He would dip it, and he would get the water, and he would walk back to the temple. And as he takes it back to the temple, he goes to the inner court of the temple with the singing and everybody celebrating. And then he would begin to pour the water out of the pitcher. And as the water poured the music would get louder and louder and louder and faster and faster and faster and faster, right? And the tempo of the music began to pick up and the people begin to get louder and as they pour and pour and pour and louder and louder and louder, and louder until it's all poured out. That's, this is what's happening. And Jesus, right in the middle, stands up, goes, whoa, put the verse back up there again. Put, put that uh, verse. Jesus stands up and goes, well, hey, whoever believes in me will have living water forever. Oh, Jesus just did something that only Jesus could do. He just killed tradition. He just, hey, guys, I'm the living water that this is representing. Anybody want to follow? I'm sure, well, if you're the high priest in the middle of, What gives, right? But Jesus is making a point that the water being poured out in the temple is symbolic of what he's about to do. He is about to have the spirit poured out. It is a new kingdom coming to earth, and this event in the Feast of Tabernacles as it ends is a symbol of Jesus. And Jesus stands up and says, hey guys, that's me. You ready for this? And what a, just imagine, you're, you're a traditional Jew, you've got your prayer shawl and covering your head, or you've got your tambourine, right, and you're whatever, you're, do, you're banging your drums, and this dude just like, and I call him dude at that moment, because at that time, he hadn't, you know, he, he's kind of really announcing, stepping out here, hey, this is me. I think most of our responses would have been, what in the blue blazes is this dude doing? Because they didn't see him as the Messiah. This, 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 the people aren't seeing him. Some are, but some aren't. And they're like, what, what are you doing? How, how is this going? And so Jesus, as the high priest, brings the Holy Spirit into where? Well, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that When we accept Christ, He pours out the Holy Spirit. And you know what's going on when when they're pouring that? Like I said, there's music and there's celebration, and we're excited. Yes, the Holy Spirit is here, and there's movement. Not sitting down. Not there's movement and there's excitement and there's joy. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we accept Christ, God wants to pour the Spirit out in our life so much so that we become excited about this thing we call salvation, that we become excited about God's kingdom on earth and where he's leading his creation. Amen? That's where, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be poured out in our life, Right? so much so that we become full of it and it pours out of us to our coworkers and those around us that we're not sitting in our we're not sitting in our churches having little blessed me parties but we're out there we're out there and we go out and we spread the holy spirit around and we we share and we take those that have just come to Christ and we take them with us and go out there look at your neighbor and say go out there Look at your neighbor and say, quit huddling in the church. Quit huddling in the church. It's football season. Quit huddling in the church. Because you know what we do? We huddle in the church with our little cliques and our little things, and this is what we do. When's the last time, when when we have a church event for church people, do any unsaved get invited, or is it just for church people? All snap. Because if I look and I don't see any unsaved people, you're probably not doing your job. The Holy Spirit should be getting poured out. I don't need any come come to huddle in the church for a bless me party to feel good. I don't need that. We're on mission. We live on mission. We act on mission. We We are the church on purpose. Amen? So when the Holy Spirit gets poured out in my life, I don't keep it to myself. And I don't keep it to my little clicky friends inside the church walls. I go out there. So, if I have a church event, I make sure the unchurch are invited because I have to rub elbows with them. How did the disciples grow? They went out with Jesus. They didn't sit in Sunday school class and Jesus taught them. They went out. He healed the blind and the leper. He took on the religious. And then, as they're walking back from being out, they go, okay, what was that about? And then he explains it after they went out. That's the model. Not let's all huddle around the rock and feel good. The model is I get filled with the Holy Spirit and I go out. And it really doesn't matter. Listen, too many churches and too many people are doing this thing asking, what about the masks? See, some of you have masks on, some of you don't. Some of you are vaccinated and some of you aren't. The next time somebody asks you, well, why don't you have a mask on? This is my response, especially if I know they're saved. How many people have you shared Jesus with? I don't care about your mask. How many people have you shared Jesus with? How many people have gotten saved because of you? Well, you know, we just never know because some plant a seed and some water and no. And yes. Yes, that's true. But how many people have you personally led to Christ this month, this year, the last five years? Or is your evangelism flatlined? We gotta ask ourselves that. Were you vaccinated? Do you believe in getting vaccinated or not vaccinated? I don't know. Here's what I know. I believe in being vaccinated from hell. And quit letting mask mask the real issue. And the church has to come together and say, look, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, you can get vaccinated. The real issue is Jesus because we're all going to die. And it might be by COVID and it might be by natural death at 120. I don't know. But the real issue is Jesus. And until the church comes together on Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and quit with our little bless me parties inside the walls, we will never see growth and we will never see the gospel go where the gospel is supposed to go. That's what it's about. Amen. Come on. And so, what I'm asking you is, are you ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to allow the water and everything that it represents fill your life? Are we ready for that? Because Jesus said he was going to pour it out that we are the temple. And that the great high priest Jesus will come and pour and fill in. He says, I'm the water you're looking for. Luke Bryan was in concert last night, right? Like, I scroll through Facebook, I all these friends, I'm like, okay. You know what's going to happen at the next concert? I need to go to the next concert so I can feel happy. I have news for you, you can feel happy all the time. I, I, I don't need to go to a concert to feel happy. I, I don't need, I got me some Jesus, and I got me some Holy Ghost. Sorry, my Pentecostal roots are coming out. No, I'm not Sorry. But I got me some Jesus, and I gotta tell the world, and I need to be filled with the refreshing water that the world needs. We know that water is refreshing. Listen, one of the things that my brother said over here, right? It's life-giving, this is my first point. Water is life. It is life. Do you remember the story? If you're a church, do you remember the story of the woman at the well? Do you remember this story? Where she goes up and Jesus is like, hey, I'm hungry, and he sends the guys. He sends the guys into town to go through the drive-thru and get fish and chips, right? He's like, hey, guys, we're kind of hungry. Why don't you guys take some of my money, whatever Judas hasn't stolen yet. Why don't you take some of that? And <laughs> Okay, he didn't say that. But he knew it was going on, but he let, he let Judas stay. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. And he sends them in for fish and chips, go through the drive-thru. He goes, I'm going to go over here and hang out at this well. We well, got Jews and Samaritans, right? Jews and Samaritans there. You got a far right wing and a far left wing. And they meet at the well. They don't belong together. They shouldn't be together. But this donkey and elephant come together anyway. And you pick which one's a donkey and which one's an elephant, I don't care. But the point is, they were so opposite, they didn't belong together. And she comes. And she's drawing water. And she says hey, um, they start this whole conversation. And Jesus says, listen, I can give you water that will never run dry. And she's like, what are you talking about? And so they start this whole conversation. And in John 4, verse 14, Jesus says this, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. He's drawing an analogy. Why? Because she has to keep coming back to the well. She has to keep drawing water. Why? For life. I need life, right? I need to clean, I need to clean my clothes, right? I need to, I, need, I keep trying to get my boys to understand that. Just look, you've got to wash your clothes, dude. You're not going to get a girlfriend smelling like, you know. See, some of y'all have had teenage boys. You know how it is. And why? Because life, the water cleans out the impurities. and And we think that it's just life for my body to survive. No, it's also to keep me from stinking. It's also for other things. And so I need the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit to flow through my life. I need that. We see that not only in John four fourteen, but we also see it in Revelation 21, verse 6. In Revelation 21, verse 6, it says, Then he said to me, this is at the close of all things, right? This is the end of Revelation as we get towards the end. He says, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. We see this pattern over and over. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Even at the close, when heaven and earth come together, and heaven and earth, and and we are on, on earth as it is in heaven, and the earth is restored, right, and made new and fresh, and heaven comes and the new jerusalem comes and when they come together it was god's design all along and we finally comes together he goes hey even throughout eternity there's going to be this water of life that just flows that just flows through all of eternity that is there we used to sing a song growing up maybe some of you know this there's a river of life flowing out of me it makes the lame to walk and the blind to see anybody remember that song and it was like country like Country, at least when we sung it. Like, no, we're not gonna sing it. Uh, Josh has sung up here before. Um, but, but seriously, right? Like, I remember Walter had his saw and he would play the saw and he would do like saw specials and play Amazing Grace on his, so like, you see, you're, you're smiling. Um, and, and we sung about like this river of life flowing out of us, right? That, that brings things to life. Everywhere we go, we should be bringing life. We should bring excitement and joy. Joy to the, to the girl who's taking too many pills saying, hey, there's more to life than this. Let me take you to the well that never runs dry. Do, when you walk into a room, does it change? When you walk into that business meeting, does it change? Or is it like, okay, let's get the business going. Okay, let's go. Is there something different about you that brings freshness in life? Or are we just like, all right, it's Monday morning. I'm going to do this. I can do this. So, you know, like Tuesday, you're like the little engine that could, and on Tuesday, you're going, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I can get up, I can get up to hump day. Yes, I can, because once I get to hump day, it's all downhill, so I think I can, I can. And you're spending Tuesday going, I think I can, I think I can, or is the Holy Spirit going in you? Okay, who can, who can I share the love of Jesus with today? Who can, I, who can I talk to about Jesus, right? When you're going back to your locker and putting your books in your locker, and the person next to you is just mad, and usually they're upbeat. Hey, you seem kind of down today. What's going on? Oh, a girlfriend dumped me or a boyfriend dumped me. Hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. You know? And I realize that Lapel and Pendleton are pretty small ponds, but there's more fish in the sea. Kind of, you know? All right, anyway. Like, we need to be the encouragers in the water of life. Yeah. Right? We need to bring, look at your neighbor and say, bring life. bring life. Look at your other neighbor and say, flood them with life. Flood them with life. 60% of your body is water. Now, that varies between male and female, but 60% of your body is water. Males actually have more water. I think, I'm not going to tell you. I can't remember which male, female has more or less, but about 60% of your body is water. 71% of the earth is covered with water. This is huge. The majority of your body is water, right? Can you... The majority of your life should be the Holy Spirit. The majority of your life should be the Holy Spirit. If God said all of creation, 70% of it needs to be covered with water, I think then what I do in my life needs to be covered with the Holy Spirit. It should bring life and it should be that. And that is my second point, that because water is life and brings life, it is, by the very nature of it, of its importance to life, it's precious. The Holy Spirit is precious. The Holy Spirit should be precious to us. Think about it. He went, all of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was never put into anyone. It was only occasionally moving on people and then lifted. On, then lifted. On, then lifted. But in the New Testament, he pours it into us because we've been put into right standing with our Creator through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. And because we're in right standing now, he goes, now I can entrust you as a priesthood of believers to pour in the Holy Spirit. Now go out and be priests to the world. This was God's original design. This is the signpost of the temple and the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They were a signpost of what was to come. They were to be a nation of priests leading the world to God. Now Jesus says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to announce a new kingdom on earth through my death, burial, and resurrection. And now you all, not just the Jewish people, but now all, everyone of any nationality, background, creed, can be my child and be in right standing. And I'll put the Holy Spirit in. Now everybody go out. Think about that. That's powerful. That, that That is powerful. The third and final thing, is that, and I think somebody said this out here, water is symbolic of satisfaction and prosperity. Satisfaction and prosperity. Prosperity has become a dirty word in the church, and we we need to change that. We need to change that. Prosperity is a positive word, and it's a good word. Water is satisfying, right? We've all mowed the yard, come in, or worked hard, right, and and... We've, we've had water. Ask any farmer in here. Water makes the crops prosperous. They produce more. They yield more when they have water. Now, we have a lot of technology and fertilizer. Some of the most technolo- one of the most technologically advanced fields in the world is agriculture. If you don't believe me, go talk to a farmer. And we've got fertilizer that can pretty much go without water now. But water is necessary, water is necessary for the farmers to prosper. Now, too much, it'll kill. But enough, I was talking to a farmer the other day and I said, you know, I looked out in my backyard and I looked at my shed and I noticed the corn is actually like over my shed. Like this is, <laughs> this is for sure I ever recall the corn being as tall or taller than my shed. What's going on? Well, June was one of the wettest Junes ever in the history. Now, we've gone through a drought, one of the driest periods in 150 years, but prior to that, the month before, it was one of the wettest, right? And now you're, you're adding fertilizer that, to help the corn and whatever that doesn't necessarily... The fertilizer is so strong... Bill's going to correct me after service, I know this. <laughs> the fertilizer is so strong that even with very minimal water throughout the summer, the corn can still grow and they can still get pretty good yields, right? But when you add water to it, it gets even more. In Psalm 72, verse 6, may he be like rain falling on a mown field. Oh, gosh, that that time of year is coming, isn't it? like showers watering the earth. May he be like rain falling on a moan field, like showers covering the earth. What's he saying? He said, we, we ought to be like the, like the crops. When they get the rain, they soak it up and they begin to grow. So when the Holy Spirit begins to pour things out, God, God allows revelation in your life and you soak that up. You should begin to grow from that and, and put that into your life and begin to work on that. And begin to push your life in that direction. So if God gives you a revelation, go for it. Right? If that revelation aligns with God's word, then go for it. Grow in that direction. Grow in that way. It should be like showers watering the earth. Holy Spirit in your life should just be like like a deluge. Don't use that word a whole lot, do we? Deluge. It means to soak, like just completely flood. So. That's what I pray for. My Holy Spirit, just soak my life so that I can grow, so that I'm not the same as I was yesterday, and I won't be the same as I am uh, today as I will be tomorrow. In Isaiah 43, you can just write this down. Isaiah 43, verse 19, and Isaiah 41, verse 18. Rain is necessary for the growth of crops, which brings satisfaction and prosperity to the owner. It by nature brings prosperity, and so if if the Holy Spirit rains down some revelation or something to you and you begin to grow, or shall I say you begin to prosper in that revelational truth, then that's what needs to happen, and the Holy Spirit has allowed you to see that revelational truth, and you need to begin to prosper in that i have so i have i have I have a handful of friends that God has just revealed to them how money works, and they're prospering. And they prosper in that. They understand that. And they prosper. When God gives you a revelation, it may not just be financial as it is with the friends I just mentioned. It, it, it might be in your job or, or where God's leading you in your life. It, it, it might be a revelation in your parenting, it might be a revelation and um, who knows, in, in any type of area, then allow the Holy Spirit to just flood you and rain down in that area and begin to prosper in that area. Begin to allow it to grow. In Acts 2.17, as we bring this plane in for a landing, Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a visual of what was happening at the Feast of Tabernacles, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. He says, when the Spirit begins to move, I'm going to begin to reveal things, I'm going to begin to show you things, that you'll begin to do things and see things in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual world, that directly impact our physical world. He goes, I'm going to pour that out, and what I'm inviting you to do is be filled with that, so that you have. I can tell you, I've had dreams and I've seen them come to pass, right? So that must mean I'm old. But I've also had visions, right? And just to just let me break that down real quick, a very forty thousand foot down and dirty kind of. A dream is a dream is a dream. When you're asleep, you have a dream. You wake up, you remember it. A vision is almost like like you're awake, but you're daydreaming. We'd call it a daydream, like you're daydreaming. You have a vision. Does that make sense? So they call it a vision, we call it daydream, but you daydream, and it's like, wait, but this is not just me and my mind wandering. This is different. Right? And he says, this is going to happen when the Spirit is poured out. Again, Jesus is saying that the closer we get to the end of the age, the more of the life-giving. Holy Spirit, we're going to need. If you don't believe me, right? I mean, have you ever seen a world so divided and so divisive right now? No. When does does an athlete need the life-giving water? Do they need it more at the beginning of something or at the end of the game? Because I went to a football game Friday night in 95 degree heat and I can tell you, I watched because we brought water before the game to the high school And coolers and everything. And and I watched the coolers that we brought. I I will admit, I was being selfish. I was watching my cooler to make sure that. (laughs) And I was watching the game. There was plenty of water at the start of that game. And as the first quarter went on, a couple people opened up the cooler and got water bottles out. By the second quarter, I want to tell you something. By the end of the fourth quarter, there was no water left. Because as the game goes on, those athletes required more water. The closer we get to the end of this age, the more Holy Spirit we're going to need. Because it's going to begin to take its toll. And for some of us, it's already begun to take its toll. Some of us are seeing things happen around the world, maybe in our families and things that we never thought were, we ever dreamed of. Why don't we invite you this morning as we close and ask everybody to stand. I just want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? As we close out in song, with every head bowed, every eye closed, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to take away from this today? If you're here this morning, I'm going to ask Norman Linda to come down as a prayer team. I'm going to ask Joseph and Alana Huskins to come down as a prayer team. And if you guys need prayer for anything, um, they want to pray with you and talk with you. But as we sing out in song, ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Amen. You guys ready to have an awesome week? Yes. Amen. Amen. You guys have an amazing week. We love you. We'll see you next week.